If you would like to turn in a Bible because you brought your Bible and you want to look at your own copy of the Scriptures, you can turn to John chapter 1. Um, that's where we're going to be for today's sermon. But as always, it will be on the screen as well. Um, we are continuing our series on identity. And we have covered a lot of ground over the last several weeks. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of things from being created in the image of God and what that means but we also talked about what it means specifically to have a Christian identity, an identity that is centered in the Lord Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, and that's what we're going to be talking about again today. And as I've said every single time, if you are an unbeliever, if you are someone who does not yet believe in Christ, that doesn't mean that this sermon isn't for you. You can hear this sermon, and you can see what it means to belong to Jesus. And you can see the wonder and the joy and the goodness that comes from being united to Christ by faith. And I hope that that means that the next time you come to a service like this, uh, you will join in with us and recognize your identity in Christ as you believe in him. Uh, but yes, this is mainly for the people who are already uh, believers to see who they are. And we're looking at John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. It starts with a personal pronoun, so let me tell you who that personal pronoun refers to. It's Jesus, all right? So verse 10 of John 1, he, that is Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We pray for us. Thank you, Father, for your word. It, it is a beautiful word today. Uh, cause that beauty and the joy of what this passage is saying to really infiltrate every nook and cranny of our souls so that we will live in a way uh, that shows that we do believe these things. And for those who don't believe them, Lord, by your spirit, would you work in them even today that they would see the joy of what it means to be a child of God and that they would embrace that call themselves. And for all of us, that we would grow in what it means to be a child of God and we would live accordingly. Help us in this. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. Amen. So a, a couple of years ago, a man named Jay Spates, I believe is how his name is pronounced, he wanted to uh, check in on his ancestry. 
And so he took a DNA test. Now that's something that's going on a lot recently. People have uh, started taking DNA tests to find out a little bit more about themselves. Now, if you don't know who Jay Spates is, he is a, he's a black man who um, knew that some of his ancestors were slaves, but he didn't know much more than that. So he wanted to investigate. And he went on Ancestry.com, and he couldn't find a lot just based on the written accounts, and which is what prompted him to take a DNA test. And that's when he found out something that he would have never dreamed. You see, Jay Spates a 60-something man who grew up in New Jersey, who is now living in an apartment in Maryland, in Rock, Rockville, Maryland, who doesn't even own a car, found out he had royal DNA. That's right. Spates discovered that he was a descendant of King Decca, who in the 1700s ruled the small West African country of Dahomey, I hope I pronounced that correctly, which is now called Benin. So Spates visited this country, and when he exited the airport, there was what looked like a festival. Banners were hung, hundreds of people had gathered, there was a parade, there was dancing and music, and it was all for him. To welcome the prince home. He was overwhelmed by that. He had never been treated like that in his life. And now to be treated as a royal, it was overwhelming. Now they did send him to prince school. Because they said, well you don't know what it means to be a prince. So we have to send you to prince school. That's a real thing apparently. Prince school. But anyway, so he now encourages more people to look into their ancestry. And here's, here's his quote. Even if it's not from a royal family, you know, you should know more about yourself because it's empowering. And I couldn't agree more. It is empowering to know who you really are. And that's why it's important for us to dig in and see who we are as Christians, as followers of Christ, who are we? Not based on our human ancestry, but on who we are because of who God says that we are. And specifically for those of us who believe in Christ, to know that we are a king, sorry, we are a child of the king. That we are a child of the king. So all who have received, this is your, if you like outlines and you like to fill in blanks and stuff like that, you can do that. If you don't, you can ignore it. All who have received Christ by faith are God's children. We're children of God. All who have received Christ by faith were God's children. In fact, John 1, 10 through 13 says it this way, that Jesus was in the world, he left heaven and he came to earth, and even the world was made through him, yet when he came, people didn't know who he was. Here he was, he's walking around. He was the creator in the flesh and people didn't know. He came to his own people and his own people didn't even recognize him, didn't receive him, but yet there were some who did. And to all who did receive him, verse 12, who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Not those who were born of uh, flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So 
what we see in this passage is, is very clear. All of us who have received Jesus, all of us who have believed in his name, we are children of God. That's who we are. That's why we sang the song we sang today, the good, good father. It's who I am, I am a child of God. To remind us, to dig it in. I know that song's repetitive, but it's repetitive for a reason. We need to remind ourselves that this is who we are. Now, in the statement, all who have received Christ by faith are God's children, there is an implicit statement that maybe you might be thinking, but maybe not. And so we need to make it explicit, all right? So yeah, all who have received Christ by faith are children of God, but that means that we, in general, we are not God's children by natural means. We're not God's children by natural means. We are adopted into his family by his grace in Christ. That's what we read in John 1, 12 through 13, right? But to all who did receive Christ, who believed in Jesus' name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. God is the one who caused this birth into his family. See, there are a lot of people today who will um, say that we're all God's children. You've heard that phrase, right? We're all God's children. And if what they mean by that is that all of us were created by God, that's true. We all, we all owe our existence to the Creator. But if what they mean by that is that we're all God's children the way that this passage talks about it, they're, they're off. Because that's not true. Just because you were born as a human being does not mean you're a child of God. Just because you attended a church service like this doesn't mean that you're a child of God. What makes you a child of God is what God does. In fact, in Ephesians 2, we read what our natural state is. Now, if you haven't heard this before, prepare yourself because it's a little depressing. But we need to hear sometimes the bad news in order to understand the good news. In Ephesians 2, we read, and you, all of us, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. We were dead. And we followed the course of this world. We followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of obedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. The idea there is that we were all dead in our sins. We were all so messed up because of sin that God considered us dead to him. And yet, in his love, he made us alive. We were considered to be children of wrath because God hates sin. 
He hates that stuff, those things that we do, those things that we think, those things that we say that are against what he has said. And so, by nature, we are considered to be children of wrath because he hates sin. And yet God, in his grace and his mercy, did not leave all of us in that state, that natural state. That's part of the good news. That's part of what God has done. It's not through natural birth that we're God's children. It's through God adopting us as his own in Christ. As Ephesians 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And then Galatians 4, 4 through 5, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. We didn't become part of the family of God just because we were born. God chose us. He adopted us. That's what adoption is about, right? I've said this before in other sermons, but, you know, we have this mentality that we're the ones who find Jesus. We're the ones who search for God and we find God. But the reality is, if we all are dead in sin, if we all are children of wrath, then when God does something, he comes after us in a good way and he brings us into the family himself. That's what adoption is about, right? You don't have any children who come up to you and say, will you please adopt me? And you go, okay, sure. That's not how adoption works. Adoption is when the parents go looking for a child and they say, we want you to be a part of our family. We're going to bring you in. And that's what God has done with you if you believe in Jesus. He didn't look at you and go, oh, you're disgusting and I hate you and I'm never going to talk to you ever again. No, he said, okay, you are a little messy. Yeah, you're kind of nasty with your sin. But you know what? I'm going to take care of that. Like last week when we talked about being justified before God, God is taking care of our sin by nailing it to the cross. And then it was buried with Christ, and when he rose from the dead, we were vindicated as God's people. We are now his, and not just his in the way that we have a right relationship with God, but he went even further, and he brought us into his family. This is one of the things that I want to really emphasize for a moment because it is so easy for us to focus on the fact that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that our sins would be forgiven and we would be seen as righteous in God's sight. And that is a beautiful thing and we never need to downplay it. But I want you to hear this and I want you to understand this, that God could have just stopped there. God could have said, yeah, you're, you're eat up with sin, as my parents used to say. You're eat up with that. 
Sin is everywhere, and I hate your sin. So I'm going to take care of you by taking care of your sin. I'm going to remove your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to throw it into the sea, and I'm going to remember it no more. But you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm going to give you a right standing with me, but then I really don't want to see your face ever again. He could have done that. Because he's God. He, he, he could do what he wants. But that's not what he did. Not only did he remove our sins, not only did he take those sins away, not only did he give us a right status, but then he said, I want you to be my child. I want you in my family. I want to be your father and I want to lavish you with gift after gift after gift because that's what a good father does is he cares for his children and that's who I'm going to be to you because now you belong in my family. You hear that? That is such good news. God could have simply stopped at making us right with him and then said, go away. But instead, he lavishes us. And that's what we need to understand. That part of being adopted into the family of God, when God adopts sinners into his family, he demonstrates the lavish nature of his love and grace to us. Adopting sinners into his family demonstrates the lavish nature of God's love and grace to us. As we read today as a confession of faith from 1 John chapter 3, and, and see these words one more time. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. That's who we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it didn't know Him. But beloved, we are God's children now. This is who we are. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks but I do want to hit it today just a bit. And what we will be as God's children when we grow up, so to speak, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. When we see Jesus face to face, when we see our God face to face, then we will be perfected as his children. And everything that that means, it's ours. Look at the lavish love that God has given to sinners to people who have rebelled against him, to people who have done wrong and said wrong and, and thought wrong things. And yet God says, I'm going to take care of your sins by nailing them to the cross, and I'm going to give you a right standing through the resurrection of Jesus, but I'm also going to say, you're my child. You're mine. To try to put this into some perspective, 
Imagine that you wanted to adopt someone into your family. Now, most likely, if you did, you would go to an adoption agency. And you would fill out paperwork and pay lots of money to make sure that you were able to adopt someone into your family. But what if you said, okay, I want to adopt someone a little different. Take me to the worst place on earth. And take me to a place where there's a, there's a teenager. You know, normally we want to adopt little, little babies because they're cute. Teenagers, sometimes they're cute. Sometimes not so much. Sorry, teenagers. I was, t I, I, we should, I wish I had a picture of me when I was a teenager. I was not cute. But, so you, you go and you say, I want a teenager. Not a little baby, I want a teenager. And not only do I want a teenager, I want a troubled teenager. A troubled teenager who is, you know, drinking and taking drugs and sleeping around and, you know, breaking the law. I want that person in my family. That gives you a glimpse. If you're, if you're going, wait a second, I wouldn't want to do that. That gives you a glimpse of the lavish love that God has shown to us. That he would love people like us. With all of our messes, with all of our sin, with all of our problems, he came to take us into his family. And then he says, not only that, he blesses us upon blessing, upon blessing, upon blessing, as we read today in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, everyone in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. See, there's the adoption language. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. What a beautiful passage that is that tells us how God has lavished His love on us even before we were ever born, that we were on his mind, that he said, I want them to be a part of my family, even though I know what kind of life they're going to live, the problems they're going to have, the sins that they're going to commit, the things that are wrong with them. I, I don't, that's not what is going to stop me from making them mine, my child. And because we're children of God, he goes on in that passage to say, verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Uh, some of you know that my dad was a, uh, he, he, was a he had a farm, and um, I think I've told this story before that when I turned 18, my dad said, so son, you know, one day I'm, I'm going to die and I want to pass this land over to you. I want to pass my land down to you and I want you to, you know, oversee it as the farm that it is. And, and I said, I don't want it because I do not want to be a farmer. I hate being outside in the tobacco fields. It's nasty work. 
and I don't want to do it. Give it to my sister. And he did. It belongs to my sister now. This is an inheritance that we cannot say no to. Because it's ours. And we will have it for eternity. And it is so much better than a father saying, hey, I'm going to give you this land so that you can work in the tobacco fields all your life and get messy with tobacco gum. Any of you ever been out in a tobacco field? No, you haven't. Okay, some of you have. Okay, so you know what it's like. You get messy, you get dirty, you get sweaty, and by the end of the day, you're, you look at your hands and they're all black with that goop from the tobacco plant. And there's snakes out there and tobacco worms and all kinds of stuff. Does that sound like a great thing to do? Here's your inheritance, son. But that's not the kind of inheritance that God gives us. No, it's an inheritance. It's, it's what Jesus inherits. And you know what Jesus inherits? Everything. Everything in the universe belongs to Jesus because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and it all belongs to him and then Jesus shares it with us because we too are children of God. Wow. Wow. See, if you were in Christ, God is your Father. And as we sang today, He is a good, good Father who has given us so much. He's a good Father who chose to have us in His family. He's a good Father who calls us His beloved children. He's a good Father who has lavished us with His love and grace. He's a good Father who knows how to give good gifts. To his children. He's a good father who knows what we need even before we ask. He's a good father who knows us better than we know ourselves. He's a good father who's full of wisdom and truth. He's a good father who disciplines us when we need it so that we will share in His goodness. We, he is a good Father who has an inheritance for us that will never perish, spoil, or fade, that's beyond our comprehension. And He's a good Father who loves us the way He loves His only begotten Son, Jesus. Do you hear that? You are loved if you are in Christ the same way that God loves His only Son. He says, now you are my sons. You are my daughters. And I lavish you with the same love that I lavish on Jesus in you because you're in Christ. I am well pleased. I mentioned my dad. Some of you know that my dad and I, we were very different in many ways. One of the things I had to work through when he died um, was how rarely 
my dad told me that he was proud of me. Um, in fact, I don't remember a day where he said that to me. I think he said it to other people, but I never heard it from his lips. And that was really hard when he died because I thought, well, now I don't have an opportunity in this life to hear those words. And that's when this truth that we're talking about today became so powerful to me. To know that God is my Father. And that because I am in Christ, not because I did everything right, not because I'm super great, in fact I'm not, but because He loves me and because I am in Christ, He is able to say to me, this is my child, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And if you're in Christ, that's what God says to you. This is my child in whom I am well pleased. And I lavish my love on you because you belong to me. And nothing will ever take away my love for you. And we're going to celebrate together forever our relationship. Isn't that beautiful? So if you like action points, here's some things that I would like for you to take away today. And the first is the first and foremost thing that each of us should do, <laughs> is receive Jesus. Receive Jesus. Okay, there is no other way to be adopted into the family of God. This passage in John tells us that it was those who receive him who he gave a right to become children of God. So if you haven't received Jesus, this is a good day to do so. To know the love of God as Father. To know the sweetness and the wonder and the joy of having a Father who says, I love you and I will go to great extremes to make you mine. And even if you don't really know whether you've received Jesus or not, today's a good day to make sure that you got that straight. If there's any doubt, just go to God and say, God, I know I've messed up. I know, I, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you. Will you help me to receive Jesus for reals? You don't have to say for reals if you feel like that's sacrilegious. But you can say, for real, that it's something that I really, I really do want to be your child, and I really do want my sins forgiven, and I really want to be a part of your family, and I know I need Jesus, so give me Jesus. Start there. And then for all of us, if you know you've already received Jesus, then remind yourself daily that you are a child of God. Remind yourself daily that you are a child of God. Why do we need to remind ourselves daily? Because we forget. 
How many times, Christian, have you heard the words, you are a child of God, and on Monday morning, you don't act like a child of God. You don't think of yourself as a child of God. You think of yourself as an orphan. Just kind of wandering around, doing your own thing. We're a little bit like, uh, okay, this is a a little bit of a dated reference, but uh, Drew Barrymore's character in the romantic comedy... Fifty first dates. If you're not familiar with that film, Drew Barrymore plays this woman named Lucy who she, um, she suffers from a type of short-term memory loss. And every day she wakes up with no memory of what happened the day before. And Adam Sandler plays Henry who falls in love with her and he tries every day to help her to remember her relationship with him every single day. We need that. We need to remind ourselves every single day that we have a relationship with God in Christ and that that relationship is as children. Because we forget over and over and over again And if we can remember who we are in Christ, we can have joy in our lives. We will be able to live in a way that shows that we belong to God and people will be able to see the family resemblance. Right? And that's what we all want, right? Not only to be loved, but to belong and have someone look at us and go, you remind me of Jesus. You remind me of God. (laughs) So that's what we need to do. Remind ourselves daily that we really are children of God so we can live in a way that honors the family name. So everyone, let's rejoice. If you are in Christ, rejoice in the fact that we are God's children and then let's live in a way that does honor the family name. Let me pray for us. Father, we don't want to forget who we are, but it's so easy, so easy for us to forget. For those of us who already have received Christ, remind us by your Spirit and remind us to remind ourselves who we are, that we would not forget, that we would never forget, that every day we would wake with your name on our lips because we know who we are and we know whose we are and we know that we are beloved children. And then let that shape us and mold us to be the people that you want us to be. And for those here today who do not know you as their Savior, Jesus, will you by your Spirit draw them to yourself that they too would see the joy and the wonder and the lavish love that you pour out on your children. And now prepare us as we get ready to celebrate uh, your table, to celebrate communion, to celebrate this meal uh, that you have given to us to remind us of your love and grace in Christ. And it's in his name we pray this. Amen.